today on City Cash Chicago. During the early 1900s, Chicago restaurants like King Yin Lo, King Joy Lee, and the Mandarin Inn helped popularize American Chinese food. Chen Foyne was the man behind those restaurants. And rumor has it the local politicians and gangsters loved his food. That is until Chen mysteriously died in 1924. His story is now a play. It's Thursday, February 17th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Tim Foyne's restaurants were decorated lavishly and reportedly drew patrons like Al Capone and powerful and corrupt alderman Michael Hinky Dink Kenna. But when Chin suddenly fell down an elevator shaft, some in the family suspected foul play, including granddaughter Nancy Wang, who wrote a play about his death. It's called Shadows and Secrets. Here's a little bit of it. Chin Foyne's mind begins to race, his heart pounding in his chest. He finds himself tipping forward. I'm falling. How, how could this? This can't be. Quickly, he grabs one of the ropes. His hand appears on his shoulder. Oh, safe. Thank you. He reaches for the elevator frame to pull himself fully upright. But instead, he feels himself falling forward again. What? He grabs a rope. It breaks. No, 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 no. He flails. His thoughts collide with his panic. He is descending headfirst, plunging down, down, down. Yuglan, I am so sorry. Tears stream down his face as he flails, grabbing, twisting. Then, nothingness. Can you tell me about your grandfather? Why, why did Chin Foyne come to Chicago? Well, he, um, his father, his own father, had just finished helping build the railroad. And now that it was done, he needed to know where to go. They all went to the World's Fair in Chicago and saw that it was wide open. There were only a few Chinese families there at the time. So this would have been the 1890s. Yes. So my great-grandfather went to Chicago and started that business and brought over his sons. Okay. Well, how did, how did he end up in the restaurant business? You said your, your great-grandfather was in imports and exports. Was, was this your grandfather's hustle? This <laughs> That was his first hustle, yeah. And then um, I think he realized that if they were to really make it, really expand and really make a difference, it was in the restauranting business. So we're talking the turn of the century at this point. What was the landscape like for Chinese food in the U.S. around this time? By that time, more and more Chinese were coming to the West Coast. So from 1850 on, there the Chinese started to have to feed themselves. Now, the railroad barons began to supply rice for them, but the Chinese had to figure out everything else. And so in those those you know, Western posts, there would be someone who started a Chinese restaurant. It was a chop suey restaurant, but there wasn't, it wasn't lavish. You know, it was kind of like you walk in, there's some tables, uh, there's the kitchen and you sit down and you eat. But my grandfather wanted more than that. So he created the restaurants to attract more than Chinese. So he knew his, um, his customers would be, the carriage trade, the 
the Caucasian people who were able to afford going to a restaurant. The rich white folks. Yeah, yes, right. <laughs> the rich white folks. So at the time, most Chinese restaurants were on the second floor. So his first two restaurants were on the second floor. But the one he's most known for is the Mandarin Inn. And that was placed on the f- bottom floor. So when you walked off the sidewalk, you went right into his restaurant. What's the difference between, you know, your, your basic chop suey joint and, you know, the Mandarin Inn? He has chicken chop suey, turkey chop suey, squab chop suey, tame duck, mallard duck chop, chop suey, quail, beef, veal. So is chop suey just like different type of rice dishes, different type of noodle dishes? Yeah, so it's a, a they, they, they stir fry a mixture of whatever the main meat is with vegetables. And then they put it on rice. So the the menu may have been similar, but like you said, the experience was different with some of the plating, some of the people who were, were coming through there. This just wasn't your, your everyday joint. No, no. It was very fancy. There, He was, I think, the first person, at least in Chicago area, to put white tablecloths on tables. And then he decorated with Chinese lanterns and lots of greenery coming on hanging baskets, and he always dressed in a tuxedo. Grandpa was baller baller. He was out there drinking with them, smoking cigars with them. <laughs> and then he he also had live music. I was going to ask, if we walked in, what, what would that sound? I'm seeing the vibe with the, the baskets and the tablecloth and the, and the tabling and the tuxedo. What would I hear if I walked in, Nancy? Yes, so you would hear classical music. He often brought in a Russian uh, opera singer in one of his restaurants. He had a huge organ, pipe organ. He had sometimes a ballerina come and dance. Where were these restaurants located? The first Chinatown was actually downtown, and um, his Mandarin Inn was right near the the opera house and the ballet. Was was this unique for the time? Were, were there other Chinese restaurants in that area? Yeah, I think there were a few others. But um, at one point, you know, there was a big Tong clan rivalry between the Moys and the Chins. So what was the Moy-Chin rivalry and did it have anything to do with Chin Foyne's death? More after the break. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location.
When people first started immigrating from China, they established sort of family associations known as tongs or kind of like gangs. When people first came over, they, you know, they needed someone to help them get established. So the uh, the associations were really very, very good. They helped them find a place to live when they first came, a job, uh, food. But then as time passed on, it became territorial. They would go and say, I will protect you from the tongs if you give me this money. So your restaurant or your business, your laundry, your import-export store will be protected from the opposing rival clan. Two big tongs in Chicago were the Moys and the Chins. Nancy's grandfather, Chin Foyne, was part of the Chin Tong. Nancy says at one point, the Moy clan put a hit out on several Chins, actually killing one of them. And my grandfather hired a lawyer to bring the assassin and the Moys to trial. And in the trial, one of the would-be assassins was brought to the stand, and he pointed out who he was supposed to kill. He pointed to my grandfather, my great-grandfather, and my grandfather's two brothers. When I found out he was pointed at, that he was supposed to be assassinated, well then, that's pretty clear that someone didn't want him around, didn't want his whole family around, and the businesses were definitely in rivalry. After that, Chen Foyne arranged to send his family back to China. And in 1924, they sold the mansion, they sold all the furniture, they sold everything because the next day they were all leaving to go to China to live. And the night before they were all to leave is when he died. It's when he fell down that elevator shaft and was killed. It, it was ruled an accident. Did did the rest of the family, you know, also take it as an accident and finish the journey home back to China? They never left. Oh. Um, they stayed and had to start all over again. Uh, all the money had to go to pay off any any outstanding bills for the restaurant. It was ruled an accident. So I think most everyone didn't want to think about it and just went with the, the story is told. That it was an accident, yeah. Who took ownership of the restaurants after he died in 1924? Molly O'Farrell was his right-hand woman. She did all the bookkeeping. She did a lot of the behind-the-scenes work. She tried to, I heard she tried to keep it going, and it just didn't because, and then someone else took it over. But they didn't, either of them have the same... Charm, the same brilliance, the same vision as my grandfather. So I don't think that worked. And so it was sold. What do you think Chen's legacy is, you know, almost 100 years after his his uh, untimely death? I think the first Chinese cookbook was uh, partly based on his chefs giving recipes. So I think that might be his, one of his legacies. The other legacy for me is him when he tried to move his family into an upper-class millionaire white neighborhood in Chicago, and there was a lot of flack, and he used the um, newspaper media 
to make his point that no one, no matter what his color, what his background, should be told where he can and cannot live. Being able to go into that um, upper-class white neighborhood and and absolutely stating unequivocally that no one should tell anyone where they should live or can live or can't live. Uh, so I don't know, you know, um, in terms of his legacy, I, I don't know. I don't know many people even know about him, right? That's another reason why I wanted to do the play, so people would know who this man was and what he did. Nancy Wang's play about her grandfather is called Shadows and Secrets and will premiere in San Francisco next year. She then hopes to bring the play to Chicago. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. A judge has thrown out yet another 19 convictions tied to former CPD Sergeant Ronald Watts. Remember, Watts was convicted back in 2013 for framing and stealing from residents in the Ida B. Wells homes for over a decade. Maiti Hamilton was confirmed as the new board president for the Chicago Park District. She replaces former President Avis Lavelle, who resigned last year after the public learned about decades-long allegations of sexual abuse by Park's lifeguards. Well, I hope y'all enjoy yesterday's 50 degrees, because freezing rain and snow is all that's on today's forecast, so bundle your ass back up. And some good news to get you through. Hopefully the sun peaks back out this weekend because the 10th anniversary of Winter Brew in Lincoln Square is being held outside this Saturday starting at noon. You can find about a dozen craft breweries at Lincoln Avenue between Eastwood and Wilson. Remember, for more Chicago stories and events, subscribe to our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm slash newsletter. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. My headphones are, I can't hear anything. There we go.